0: You can buy this old house if you want to It's already seen better days the taxes anymore so i guess i'll be moving away you've already bought out my neighbors my good friends and my family and as soon as i sail i'll be going as well but i'll be leaving with my
1: Welcome y'all to episode three of Adam's Edge, yesterday, today and tomorrow in historic Cabbage Town ATL. Well, it's finally time to reveal our mystery guest. It's none other than the bright and shining star of Cabbage Town, Ms. Kim Corin. Kim kindly sat down with Nina and me in one of the mill's outdoor courtyards where she talked and talked and talked. Even the leaf blowers and MARTA trains were no match for Kim who generously told her story up until my laptop's battery finally died. In fact, the interview was so fun that we've decided to present it in two segments. Today, we present to you Adam's Edge, Episode 3, Kim Coren, Part 1. Before we begin, we'd like to thank the late, great Joyce Brookshire, whose music you're currently listening to. This song, called My Memories, is off the album Cabbage Town Ballad, which was produced by Elise Witt and Dee Dee Vogt and recorded in July 2005 at Sound and Fury studio in Pine Lake, Georgia. Accompanying Joyce were Elise Witt, Dee Dee Vogt, and the real world string band Sue Massick, Karen Jones, Bev Fetrell, Sharon Rubel, and Elise Melrude. And as always, thank you to Adam Edge, who will forever inspire us at the Patchworks. And now Ladies and gentlemen, Kim Pouring.
0: As I wandered away, thank you, Lord, for my memory.
2: The hell have I done? Signed up for that? Because I'm thinking it's live video all this year. Nope. nope. We're well, good. I'm glad about that. But then they're gonna <laughs> think like my name's Tim because my voice ain't changed over. That's what <laughs> I told him. I said, Can you imagine with me, be him when One eight hundred, call me. I will please you. <laughs> me like a damn man, you hear me? Well,
1: you know, there are people out there who would love that, you
2: know? I got the George Butcher voice, you hear me? I do, that harsh voice, got it. Yeah, real kind of strong.
1: But see, you could market that and make a killing in Hollywood with voiceover work you could get.
2: I'll go I go mean, in that morning, Ben Jim, and leave Ben Kim. Yeah, that's
1: right. You, <laughs> you can do it. twice. <laughs> is it Kim? Is it Jim? Is it Jim? I'm, a trans, is it
2: Tim? I'm a transgender. I've walked in Ben Jim, be leaving <laughs> Ben Kim.
1: Your, your voice is at least.
2: <laughs> so, how long have
1: you been together? Six years on those. Yeah. It'll be six years this. Well, we'll be married six years but this you've October. We've been together. Yeah.
2: I'm going the first time I met him, uh, I did not like it. Of course not. I did and It was on Carol Street at a festival. Mm hmm He done come up there and I'm like, oh, we got it you know, got the talking. And you said was your grandfather on the mill? Great,
1: great. Great,
2: okay. I thought, oh, he's one of them Another one of shitty prep. He's coming over here wanting to fucking <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I did not like him. I did. I said, oh, all right, he eat my cup of tea.
1: Well, that's why I didn't like to talk about my relationship with the family. With the meal, yeah. Yeah, I, I kept because it. Because it already gives
2: you a black mark. Exactly. Because the way they, you know, really, them people worked hard here. Yeah. They did, yeah. They worked harder. And I, one thing I do miss about this meal, I miss that whistle. No uh, whistle in the morning and the afternoon, I miss that whistle. And if uh, people work hard, and they didn't pay them shit. You hear me?
0: I know.
2: So, so George writing a song about, you know, the Cabbage Sound Ballad, they're taking all they wanted from us, packed up their cotton and left, and he gives a shit about these people. You know, that was wrong. And I said, that was his grandpa. Hey, oh, he's just like him.
1: <laughs> I am. But you're not. I am the spitting image. <laughs> Don't you know? You
2: ain't doing nothing from us, have We got nothing, <laughs> no, no, they can't take nothing else here. They got everything.
1: Well, what's funny, and I'm not, I'm not defending anybody, okay. but by the end, my family had nothing to do with the but, mill. Yeah. The last 15, 20 years of operations here, totally different ownership. Yeah. And okay. uh, so.
2: Well, I like you a little bit now. Oh, you, you allow it. You allow I'm so me kind. Anything, so, what made you come to Cabbage Town?
1: Well, my dad was involved with the patch, he what's was your friends. Uh, well, he, he went by Skip. He went by the name of Skip. So Elsa's. he
2: was involved with Esther preaching of Fever.
1: Esther and Joyce and Leon. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was the executive director for years at The Patch. But here's what... This kind of going back to what I was just saying. He knew very well that kind of dark mark, you know, being associated with being the braided. family. Yes,
2: exactly.
1: So he did not come out and... Do this whole broadcast. I'm yeah, my
2: God, yeah. my granddaddy built this this shitty mill. Yeah,
1: and so I would come down here in the '70s, actually, and and go to the festival, mm-hmm. you know. But before it was really given a, a big name, festival,
2: exactly. yeah.
1: And I'd play stickball with kids and stuff like that, and and I did that a, a number of times in the '70s as a kid. So right. I I knew the neighborhood much more than I knew the mill. Even though the mill was kind of still operating through the 70s, yes, it yeah, I mean, it, it, it finally died off in the late 70s. Yes, it did. But I, I never really came onto the mill property at all until in the early 80s. I decided I wanted to write a history paper for school, and I came over here. It had just, you know, all operations had left, and they had all this old paperwork in this big vault. You had access to it? Oh, they gave me access to that's it. and this, awesome. And a few years later, Georgia Tech came in, and they took it, and it's now in the Georgia Tech archives. But you yeah, had access to it. That's awesome. Yeah, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know you how know important how it was. It was. Exactly. Exactly. I, exactly. I was just this little, I was, what, 16 at the time? and mm-hmm. I didn't know.
2: See, that's like me, you know, like when the first, the, Esther, Esther yeah. came over here as an outsider coming in, and she, you know, that's... Magical. As soon as she came here, it was magical. I well, said, she what grew the up magical about. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: well, she grew up in the mountains, awesome. Yeah. But just in Pennsylvania.
2: Before they had the before had, uh, the patch got opened down there. First, it was in a house on Spanish Street. Yeah. Then it went down to Boulevard. Then it went over to the primary school. Well, we have on Friday nights. We had these hoop nannies. On Friday nights at the up there at the Spanish Street Mission, my cousin would dream. She'd make fun of Esther. She played autoharp. Mm-hmm. And she sang the song, she sang, I'm going to wrap myself in paper, I'm going to dab myself with glue, stick some stamps on top of my head, I'm going to mail myself to you. <laughs> my guys Regina make fun of her. So we was kind of like little funky about, who is this one, what is she wrong? You know what I mean? But Esther was all about the community. In fact, my first job, which y'all know, I brought up in the store. My mom and daddy always had private-owned businesses. We had a car wash, we had a little small ice business, we had a store. So I grew up in a family-owned and operated kind of an environment. So, so my first real job when I graduated from high school, the state had funded this—it's almost nonprofit organization. And what it did, it would—it uh, had uh, like I, I was representative, captain had from somebody from Reynolds Town and. It were uh, me and the guy, black guy from Reynolds Town, it was called the Institute for Responsive Education. Oh, I felt like a big weed. Here, I man, I got a title. All I had to do is what we did, we did like we had to do census of the neighborhood, you know, as far as like breaking it down to how many bands to take away. You know what I'm saying? From education, finances, houses, how many houses was here. And I mean, it was a really interesting to learn a lot. It was great.
1: Growing up in Carowtown,
2: yeah. When you grow up here, I mean, it's like each street you had an alley that went through. When I mean, you didn't have to walk from this corner, that corner, that corner, like that. Every street, starting off, say, starting off at the girls' club, but the girls' club was on Carroll Street. Mm-hmm. Had an alley that went up to Savannah Street. It ran by. Remember with Jerry? Uh, remember Ken Smith and Ronald? You know where they lived at? Carroll Street to Savannah Street. Then we you got on Savannah Street. Kind of had to you know, walk across the street. Then there was LA, it took you from Savannah Street to Brent Avenue. Then you get from Brent Avenue, you get cut from Brent Avenue to Powell Street. So you cut through yards is what you did. But every street, I mean, everybody noticed. It. And like I said, somebody said, You do something wrong. By the time you got home, they had the bell waiting on you. I didn't think they made that. You know what I mean? So your yeah. eyes were always watching. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah.
2: It was real close. That's what I really miss most about this. Because I was real resentful when all these, I call them yuppies, moved in my neighborhood, and I do think I do feel like that people come here and take advantage of the people that wasn't so educated. And my mama, bless her heart, she was an activist, and she would tell them, she'd say, "You don't want to sell they come with thirty thousand dollars in front of them for their little shotgun house. These people ain't never seen thirty thousand dollars in their life. You know, thirty thousand dollars." Mama said, "Better stay right here," says. Your house is paid for. What do you my mom what are y'all gonna do? We're gonna move to Henry County. If they move to Henry County, we will to move to Henry County and buy us a house. And I named three families without even thinking that did that. And now they rent. And I end up losing the house. You know what I'm saying? And these people, this is where I like too. I, I don't have I lack like motivation, but I also lack like, like a vision. You know what I'm saying? I wish I could do that. I do have visions with like let like me making those bumper stickers. I made a killing off them. I made a dollar a piece for them. I sold them first when I first got them, three dollars a piece. Then when we had a festival down here when Eli sold his art, I sold them five dollars a piece down there. I a killing off them. And then all them little Cabestown t-shirts I made. I made a killing off
1: them. That's right, we were gonna partner up at some point. <laughs>
2: yeah, I made a kill off your damn Cabestown t-shirt. I did. You kind of remind me of almost like Tad and Tad felt that magical feeling. It's so funny, cause like with Karen Kay, she used that word magical. I said, how'd you find Caps soon? She said, my daughter, her daughter lives over in Kirkwood. She was here visiting from, where she grow up at? Was it Idaho or? No, um, where they have the triple marriages. What state is
1: that? Utah?
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's where she grew up at. Yeah, it is. And she said that she come to visit her daughter over in uh, Cartwood, and she bought the dolls. She said when she walked down Wiley Street, she said when she got to that Cross Street Tunnel, she said it was just magical. I said, what in the world was so magical? She said, I don't know. It was just a a feeling. Remember, Myra lived around the corner at uh, Cartwood and Powell. She was a she uh, was a stewardess. She worked for Downs. Anyway, She lived over in. Virginia Highlands. And she wanted, she come over here with would ride around. Look. She said, when I went through that Crock Street tunnel and come out on the other side, again, she said, I had the most magical feeling. I said, what is this magical? I had a lot. I mean, i gotten on that magical, you know? And then, like I said, several people use that word magical. But Tad, and he said, come here, I said, for investments. But Tad, he said, when he got here, I mean, he grew up like Dunwoody. You see what I'm saying? you know they, that's why I said I said you know if I didn't ever do nothing right in my life I breathed that kid well but Seth I said he'd go up to Dunwoody Cab Yard, and come to Cavs sound I need a bowl of butter beans you hear me he's like both sides of the tracks you hear me <laughs> he's got both sides of the tracks you know yeah. and I love that but dad he just fell in love with Cavs you know he loved it well, it's easy to do I mean I I think I felt that that magical I did I, that word again, I did I love it i, have, I
3: have never been in such a place where I was like, wow, this is, this feels like home. Well, like, automatically felt like home. Really?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And when you when y'all moved here, did y'all know anybody? No, I didn't know saw soul when I moved to Cabbage Town. But now. you felt a magical feeling. It was yep. like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yep. Absolutely. And see, and I, I hate to say this, but it's the truth. I mean, bottom line, I didn't really appreciate Cabbage Town. Or maybe I just didn't have the knowledge of knowing what true Cabbage I didn't have that magical feeling about it because I grew up here. I mean, what's so damn magical about the damn place, you know? Um, but the older I get, the more I realize, you know, damn, this is its a great community. And like I said at one time, I couldn't go from one street to the other street. You know everybody. Everybody knows you. Everybody, hey, are you walking? Can I use your bathroom? Not think nothing about it. Sometimes don't even ask, just go use your bathroom. Huh. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the people that's moved in now, it's like a new breed of people. And I was the first coming, I was like, them yuppies, I not about them yuppies moving in down here now. Well, I'm taking up my neighborhood.
3: It's interesting how it has gone through its stages of, of yuppiness, right? Because- it Went
2: from yuppies to the upper middle class mm-hmm. professionals that wanted to get closer downtown to get out of them suburbs, beat all that traffic. Right. Because it is convenient. Right. it's a convenience to live here if you you know if you're in the, about the city you live in. Right, yeah. right I never did know how magical it was until after the fact where you know like I said I don't know I never, I never I thought you know of course I can't wait to get out of here you know whatever and I have moved out of the neighborhood or whatever but like you know, I would love to live in Castone but I can't afford it now,
3: and that's now. sad
2: to me because this is my home. Yeah. And I can't afford to live here.
3: Yeah. And
2: that's, to me, that's real sad. Yeah, yeah.
3: And that has happened, how many times has that happened in the neighborhood? I mean, that has happened when it, what was, what was well, the like movement, they, like, we shall not be moved?
2: they started that, look, nonprofit. Yeah, that's the key word there. Nonprofit profit Craft. They were built, they were brand new houses built on the property, but craft on the property, that don't make damn sense. Well, the deal was, you could only buy a craft house if you were a resident of Cabbage Town. See that's about what, what blew my mind about that damn little house down there. How in the hell did her son living in New York City get that house? Look, when that came when that came out the surface, I said my mama is so smart. Yeah. So how did y'all find out who owned that house down there? Yeah,
3: oh, so um so after we left the tattoo parlor, which is on the chiropractic the
2: that's
3: where the laundry
1: office, used to be. Which, which was a laundromat, huh? yes. And, I remember the, that. and there was a pastor who used to live up there, too. Didn't they have, like, services in there for a little while? No, I don't
2: remember that now. Yeah. If you call her name, it might ring a bell. Yeah.
3: Um, so we left that place because um, our landlord was um, moving to Florida to retire, and he wanted to sell the building. Right. Um, and which meant that we were getting evicted, because that's what happens here in <laughs> Cabbage That's I never even yeah. went to that when y'all were there. It didn't last very yeah. long. We were there for
1: less than a less
3: year. Less than a year. How did y'all get it started?
2: How did y'all, who up, well, I'm sure you came come up with the great idea to have a museum to represent not only the mill, but Cabbage Town itself. Uh, how, did, how, how did y'all get Would well, y'all write for grants and stuff like that?
1: I wish we had. I wish we had thought it out better. Um, we approached it all almost entirely just out of passion we just wanted to do it that's awesome you know and we went for it without really understanding how to do well, it. If
2: you done it if you could overdo it again you would have done it a lot differently right yes yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: absolutely and
2: you know there was funds out there to do something like and, that and and yes. and
1: if i had been more understanding of that better educated so then, you
2: just had an idea and you just jumped on we it. You just well, jumped on you it. You didn't and really research on like, oh, I get all this free money from here, blah blah blah, yeah. whatever.
3: Well, Time was the essence because we knew that the neighborhood was changing yet again, and we knew that we had to capture these stories and we knew that we had to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And so we that were was like, awesome. we were Thank like, y'all. we got to do it. We got to do yeah. it. I appreciate that, yeah. it touches my heart. Yeah. Well, it's it's just it's it's an incredible story and, and it's a long story and and people have to understand it, and it's important for those... You have to know
2: where we came from to yes. get to where
1: we are now. Yes. You see what I'm saying? And
3: that's where the magic comes in. Once you know that story, that's where the magic is at.
1: There's nothing like this yeah. in the rest of the world.
3: are you serious? I am
1: absolutely serious. Yeah. I have lived in a number of cities around the United States. I've traveled a bit, raw. I have never encountered a neighborhood like this. Do
2: you use like the this. word magical,
1: too? No. <laughs> I don't I mean, say magical. I love
2: this place. I do. Yeah. Oh, I, I love it.
1: I uh, love it. I, I just say it's one of a kind.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have, you know, I've good, good, bad, ugly, all kind of memories here. You know, I do. But that's life. That's life. It's, yeah, it's very
1: complicated. And and it's messy. I, like I, said, and
2: I loved it. but that's why I tell people. I said, you know what? I didn't appreciate Cabot Sound growing up. I didn't appreciate it until it started to change. Everybody's scared of change. I don't care who you are. Change. It can be a fear because You get so comfortable in your surrounding settings or whatever. So, you know, we've always lived this Cabin Chance, Morgan, mean people over there, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then you get these people moving in that are professionals, and then they got really like things, you know, they had to meet some Who's Hoods over here. You can leave a laptop in that damn front seat, yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't you know? I mean, you ain't got no common sense. I mean, you might have a PhD on your wall, but you ain't got shit yet when it comes to street smarts. Yeah. And that's what Capstone was all about. We had a lot of street smarts about us. I mean, I don't know. And what you there helping people, like I said, you about the Crump's, mm-hmm. Mr. Crump worked at the mill. His son, Horace, and this is funny because Horace. His wife Betty Sue is this lady I take care of. Florida's sister. That's how I got the job. Okay. Horace left here, and he ended up being a multi. He bought life. He's a multi. He's a millionaire.
1: Was he so the people pro- have
2: done good. Has come out of here.
1: Well, he's he he owns property, right? Isn't that uh
2: he owns a whole he, lot? Of, he owns a lot of property yes. and like sells you know timber. But he used to own a. Uh, he used to have a company that sold the wrapping's like wrapping fresh meats up at grocery stores. He would sell the machines <laughs> to do that. <laughs> so that's a success <laughs> story from somebody growing up in a poor neighborhood. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And like some people like back in the day, you know, you from Cabbage Sam, you know, kind of like. I mean, like, y'all are not very good people or whatever. So I had a reputation, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. poor, people are mean, uh, whatever, you know, well-educated. And like I said, and then when the uh, people found Cabbage Town, all that magical, that hit these people up that wasn't really, ed- like I said, my mama did her best talk these people. said, you're going to regret that. And today these people live in a house. They have to come up with $1,000 a month rent. They live on a social security check, you see.
0: Yeah.
2: But then people come and just wave all that money in front of them. We'll give you this. You give us your house. Mm-hmm. You know, they never seen $30,000 in their damn life, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it was sad because in a way, I would think that someone we took advantage of. Oh, absolutely. The power of money, Oh, it was absolutely. you know what? Them. Money can make me do crazy stuff, too. You hear me? I've done a lot of goofy things for some money, but... You know, uh, yeah. but these people wasn't really educated, and I said they made all this money in from it. It was like all this thing with in Dollar signs. They didn't think about, okay, I'm gonna put a down payment on this house in Henry County, and then I'm gonna have a house payment, which they didn't have because the house here was paid for. So I'm saying, mm-hmm. totally different environment. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna have a corner store on every corner in my neighborhood. I had to get in the car to use gas to go get a look for bread. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mama tried telling people, that, listen. that my mom is very
1: smart. My your mom, mom is, is she's one of the hate. sharpest people. I cannot believe how much she remembers of she everything. sharp as a time. How old is she now? Is she She'll be
2: 80. Let's see. Mama will be 84, 84 June 23rd.
1: She's amazing.
3: So what is one of your, your best memories here?
2: Growing up here going to the boys the girls club and boys club and going to summer we used to go to camp Grandview. You know, we had we had Salvation Army Church, we had the girls club, and you had the church and you had the boys' club. Right. And this ain't no lie. We come home from school, we went straight to the boys and girls club. And this little lady she lived on Savannah Street, name was Miss Wilson. Her, you may have heard about her? Yeah. She was she was almost like a Miss Roden at the mission. She was that way at the boys and girls club. And she would take us, like, she took us to, like, summer camp, you had to be, like, six years old to go. But she would take us, it was only, like, five. You know, you went to summer camp for a week. Camp Grandview up in Jasper, Georgia. Those are really good memories, you know? I mean, we'd get to go, like, three times a year, because the Salvation Army has these little groups, like, you know, you have, like, what, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, and stuff like that. Well, they had Girl Guards and sunbeans and the Home League, you know, that's a part of the branch of the Salvation Army. So we grew up in little Sun Beans then we got to be a little girl card. And so we got to go to, like, Sunbeam Camp. Then we got to go to Girls Club Camp. And then, so we went, at least went two weeks out of the summer. We'd go to Camp River. It was so much fun. It was. That sounds, that sounds they never fun. had really good meals, but they made it fun because, like, you know, they'd serve you real healthy stuff or whatever, you know. Would everybody end up eating loaf of bread? But at, at the end of the meal, they would tell us to, like, you had to clean the table off and you stack the dishes. Yeah. And then they had a person walk around and every every who had the priest design of the way they stacked their dishes, mm-hmm. they'd put something on their table and at the end of the week, everyone who got most of the trophies of the week, they got like some kind of little crap or something. But then that was <laughs> fun, you know. Yeah. It
1: was. Well, and you gotta remind me because we've we've been trying to figure this out too. Um, the girls club is where Milltown is now. Yes. And then that that empty lot. Was where our church the was church at. was there Salvation
2: Army church and yeah. the up there with the lobster that was the boys' club right
1: mm-hmm. and eventually though they closed down the girls' club and they merged it over or or did it did it all really kind of close merged. at the I don't same think time ever merged. Okay. I really
2: don't and this was a good memory I remember like at Christmas time mm-hmm. you know Salvation Army had a unit over at Bellwood right. they had a unit over and had one over in Lakewood you know so we'd come and, but every year at Christmas time, they'd take us like, uh, like the kids from Bellwood over here in Cabot Town, and we'd go to a big Christmas party. And back then, our weatherman was Guy Sharp. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. okay. And he was always there at our Christmas parties. And, you know, we'd get a doll or whatever. I mean, it was a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. It was, I loved it. I ain't gonna tell you none of the bad things we did, though. <laughs> My mom would be listening to this. i will be telling all myself, what, 40, 50 years later? Well, I I'm think you're okay now. My conscience is bothering me. <laughs> okay, well,
1: go ahead. No, yeah, I ain't can...
2: telling her that. You know, oh, it's what she said. Like, yeah, thank you, you Slead. I'm going tell you what I used to do to her. My friend died. His name was Bob. I lived in Stockbridge where he died. When when he died in my world, I mean, like, I lived with this man for, like, six years, and he died. And my, I mean, it's like starting over, and starting over is really hard. You know, it's real hard. So I didn't know what to do so I ended up staying at my mama's house. Look, now when I mean, you, you know, in a mama's house, you go in there. But at the time, mama's bedroom now on the left. And Karen's bedroom, Eli's bedroom's on the right. We're well, back in them days, back then when Earl Bob died in 2004. No, he died in 2004. A lot of people died in that year. But uh, mama's bedroom was where Eli's room is and Karen had the bedroom up there. Eli wasn't in the picture then. But look, you know, back then, you know, you go to a bar and some shit don't start happening about 11, 12 o'clock at night, right? I mean, you don't go to bar at seven o'clock in the, the afternoon, mm-hmm. I mean? Right things get rolling. Look, so mama came, came and worked, I didn't work, you know. came and worked and mama, so look, i am tell you what I do,
0: too.
2: <laughs> then go to bed and I'd be in the living room. And I'd turn TV on, mama had one of them sectional sofas. I'd wait for him to get in the bed in a few minutes to go to sleep. Uh, I'd make a dummy body and put it on the couch. And look, my mom knows my sleep happens. I always have a foot sticking out of the cover, right? So I made that little dummy body and had that cover going up perfect, make the little my foot was hanging off the bed. Because, you know, like I said, they're in the front part of the house. And because I was in my what forties when I was doing this, you know, wrong woman sneaking out of the house. Well, this is so funny. I knew what time Karen had to get up and go to work, so I'd come home, and when I leave, I'd go out the front door. I can hear them now. Mama said, 40 years old, sneaking out the back door. Why don't you just go out the front door? I said, because I didn't want to hear you on Karen's mouth. Where are you going at 11 o'clock now? It's time to go to bed, you know? No, it's time to go party. Mama, the party has just started. So I know to hear a lot of flick about it. So I'd make my little dummy body on that, on that couch. Now, I slept with TV on and I'd go out her back door And I, I didn't have a door key, so I left it unlocked. my You know, she's got the big old privacy gates on both sides of her house. She always kept, well, she kept a key in this certain drawer with the keys inside and they're not locked the gates. I go up the driveway, Mama's mama was on the driveway side then, and she always knows she's the last thing. And we got broken legs, you look. You make them leave you step on that crutch. You just freeze. I mean, just freeze because you're waiting for the blind or the curtain open and there's your mama looking at you. I'd get in my car and I wouldn't crank it. I'd roll it down the driveway, roll it down Tide Street and crank it at the church. Well, Calvin gets up about six o'clock every morning, so around five o'clock the bewitching hour, I had to go back home, you know. I I, I ran that little scam for a while. Well look one time I was out, I got busted look. I had to have one more, just one more. And I did, well, the next thing I know, it was like, Karen's up. I'm busted. I am slap-busted. About the bullet, whatever. So, gonna tell you what she did I Man, That was me. Everybody thinks, she's so sweet. She's got a little devil in her. Look, tell so what she did to me. She was married, and her and her husband, so I pulled up in the driveway, and I, I was just, they'll come out about 6.30, go to work. And they'll see me and I'll go in the house. Look, it was cold and I didn't have no gas in my car. I was about to freeze up. My windows had done fogged up, waiting for them to come out. Why not it out? Next thing look, and you know they seen that car in that driveway, don't you? Yeah, yeah they did. They just like I could have froze to death. that's what I tell her all the time. I could have died. She said, What are you trying to say? It's my fault. I said, Well you could have, you know, can you go in the house? It's cold, whatever. Look, I was sleeping really good. <laughs> I always said, look, here's my little mama. I love her here. She is on that little walker, taking her mail out, putting her on the mail bot. She looked over there and there's my car. She walked there jet what She said, Kim, Kim. It was like in my subconscious head called her name. Finally, she said, Kim. I raised up, she said, get your ass in this house. <laughs> she was mad. My- so I got up, and look, she's walking down, she's walking down the hallway with a little walker. She went, When I got to the dining room, she just froze. She took, she took that little walker and turned up. She says, the next time you sneak out my back door and leave it unlocked, she said, your ship will be on the porch. Now, first thing she said, she said, she said, don't think you come in here piling up on my couch all day long, sleeping all day. I said, I'm not. So hell, I and got under the cutting chair. Did she come and She says, the "Next time you sneak out my back door and you leave it unlocked, she said your shit will be on the porch." I thought, "Go on, Mama, God, it's over." She said, then she went to walk away. Then she whipped that walk around. She said, "And ain't you cute, making that dummy body?" <laughs> she was my, I bust. It's so funny. And look, I'm what they did to me then. They started hiding the key. Hide the damn key to gates. They're high. And you know, then them gates on the inside of them have that strip right, right in the middle. That's what I do. Four, I'm a 40-years-old climbing a fence. I climb over it. And thank God we had an old transmission leaned up against a fence on the inside of, of the driveway. Look, I climb that damn fence. You know, I'd straddle it, and I'd jump down and hit them leads. But nobody's back there on that side of the house. I wasn't too worried about it. And look, so then when I come back, I had to step on that transmission, hot myself over there. I, I fell. I, I kind of brought my damn bag out there. Getting up. Mama said, 40 years old, sneaking out the house. Why don't you just go out the front door? I said, I don't want to hear your encodering shit. You mm-hmm. know? I, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I mean, I can see me now going out the door at 11 o'clock at night. Where are you going? Time to go to bed. We'll get out ripping and roping all night. I said, I didn't want to listen to y'all's mouth. You know? <laughs> I got
1: blessed. Did you just go down the street to Crazy Horse or where were you off to? I oh, am just wherever the. Oh, right. me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it was worth it. I
2: was on a mission. Okay. <laughs> I used to love to go on a mission. Yeah, I was on a mission. <laughs> but anyway, when Karen when her and Rick was going to get married, I was so happy because my friend had died and I'd already went in her the bedroom to see him. I'm going to my bed over here and that picture over here. So I said, Karen, I am so happy y'all going to get married. He lived in a rental house on Fulton Terrace that my brother Randy owned. I said, y'all moving over in Rick's house. She said, uh uh-uh. uh. I said, where y'all gonna live? She said, with mama. I said, what? She said, we're not moving. I said, what? She says, we're not moving, we're gonna live with mama. I said, Kyron. I said, you get married and move out. She said, uh-uh, maybe moving I told mama, I said, you are stuck with her for life. I said, if you ever wanna get rid of her mama, I said, all you gotta do is move to Powell Street, she won't know her way home. <laughs>
0: She'd
2: never
1: go away home. She wouldn't know how to get home. Oh, that's.
2: She's there on street. Well, my mama grew up on that street, too, you know. Mama's raised on that Well, street. I
1: mean, you yeah, know, we hear those stories that a lot of people, even though they live in different houses, a lot of different homes, they pretty much stayed to one or two streets. Yeah. and And they didn't, like, really go across the rest of the neighborhood. Like, we interviewed uh, a man named Ivan Sellers from the Sellers family. Oh,
2: I know him, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, Have you ever thought about interviewing Eddie Sellers?
1: We want to, yeah.
2: He's a really, he he writes really well on the Facebook. He wrote a book, Growing Up in Cabbage Town. Right. You read it?
1: I haven't read it. I haven't even gotten to see it, I don't think, but I keep hearing about
2: it. I had let you. Eddie does, he writes well, he really does. I mean, he gets almost like thoughts of the day. You know what I'm saying? And he really writes well, so he wrote this book. It was like Growing Up in Cabbage Town, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. And, but he repeats himself a lot in the book, but David, would be a good candidate too. Yeah. You know, as, Cause I mean, he made it big out of here. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, if he, he opened that there,
1: shop. Yeah, one time he opened tripping
2: You know what, I mean, Eddie did good for himself. And there's a lot of people that left Cabbage and did good for themselves, you know? I'm a survivor, I'm still doing good for myself, but you know, I could have been a lot more. I had the opportunity to go to college. You know, I, when I walked in the with that little plumb in my hand, had a brand new car outside and a thousand dollars to go to Daytona Beach. Dang, I, oh, yeah. I just got out of school. I didn't want to go. I had the opportunity to do that, you know what I'm saying? But no, I didn't want that, yeah. Because my daddy used to me, he
1: said, You'd be a good lawyer. And that's what
2: I said. I said, Yeah, I said, yeah. You would said, be, but or if you know, well, if I went to law school, I'd been a very successful lawyer, you know, <laughs> but it is what it is, but. <laughs> yeah just I don't know when all these people started moving in and and like I said I called them guppies and I would have a problem calling them that and I didn't really know them and I'm that's not fair you know because I will judge you in a minute you know just I don't like what she looks Can you see all that makeup she had I bet she's a whore or whatever <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty, real judgmental and then you get to know these people and they're really good people you know what I'm saying and I miss the closeness of Town growing up of, the family tie thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When it started changing, and like I said, it goes back to everybody's scared to change and all these people's moving in, kind of like taking over my neighborhood or whatever sure. and weaseling us out, you know, mm-hmm. just buying us out, you know, throwing up dollar signs or whatever. And it's just like, like I said, I think it's a shame. I grew up here, but I can't even afford to live here now. Mm-hmm. Why would I get the opportunity to live in the, the, that part of the mill there? That's supposed to be in for Cabbage Town residents. I bet not one of them people live over in that low income housing. even knew about Capstone. They heard about the housing project. Right. Yeah, that should've been offered to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That makes me real angry too.
1: Well,
0: I know.
2: have a
1: lot of anger issues.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I do.
1: Well, I, I get it though, because unfortunately the city talks a good talk about how they want to have affordable housing, and, and okay, you know what
2: I did, I tried to apply for Section Eight. Yeah. So I, I called Natalie Ehrlich's office. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she's got an assistant. His last name's Friend. I said, well, you know what, Mr. Friend, you're going to be, I said, I'm going to be your new best friend and you're going to be my best friend. And I was asking him, I said, I need, I said, I'm not asking you to do nothing for me. I said, I need guidance. I need you to tell me what, show me the steps to take in order to, apply or get in with some kind of low housing deal in Atlanta. I said, I can't afford to live in Cabbage Town. And I can't. That's being realistic. I can't afford a month's rent in one of these houses over here. You hear me? Mm-hmm. And then if I did make a month's rent, then they'd say, well, you ain't pay rent. You got to move. But how many damn evicted? That's not third days I've been living there free. But I ain't about all that, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, he did help me. He wrote to the uh, something with the mayor's office. Something with the mayor's office, they sent me an email. There is a five year waiting list to get on the waiting list for uh section eight. Five year waiting list, to get on the waiting list, yeah. and once you're on there, how long are you gonna wait? Right. I'll be dead and gone by then. You hear me?
1: Well, that doesn't surprise me because there isn't affordable housing and anymore. Then,
2: <laughs> and then, and then, and then with this pandemic, when all the covet started, a lot of people needed help. You know, I mean, a lot of families struggle. I didn't really struggle, so yeah, I can, you know, I would. You know, give this family's homeless, give them the house. You know what I mean? I don't have kids, and I can survive. I mean, I'm a couch server. I can be a couch surfer, It ain't no big deal to me. But, you know, with that pandemic, I mean, everything went to crap. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what that Mr. Friend said. He said, you know, Kim, as there was pandemic, there's more people now asking for assistance from the government. Because of the pandemic, you know, it's that was something that was just coming and hit the world and everybody was what in the world is going on? You know, what is this? And so, you know, five years get on the waiting list. But I wish I could live here, but I
1: can't. And I hate that. Even uh, some of these yuppies, they're getting pushed out now. Because it just gets, the, the cost of living and the cost of the homes, it's, it's, just, it's just getting higher and Taxes are outrageous over here on
2: the house, you know?
1: So, yeah, I mean... Places here are ridiculously expensive.
2: But There's people out there that don't mind paying it. No, they
1: you don't. You hear
2: me? They don't yeah. mind paying it. I asked my mama one day, I can remember when we used to have the patch papers come out once a you know, yeah. month, once, yeah, once mm-hmm. a month. And we even had patch papers when the patch was down there on Boulevard. They did a little newsletter deal, kind of wasn't like, you know, a book we get now. Didn't have nothing about real estate, nothing like that. Hmm. But I can remember when they first came out with the, you know, the, the C&I you know, sponsored the paper or whatever. First thing i do, I'd go back to the real estate. I told my mom, I said, mama. I said, do you ever think you'd see a house in cap? Because I would want to know the high, what the highest dollar amount was a house in Cab... I said, mama, do you ever think you'd see a house in Cab... sell for, say, 300,000? She said, never in my life. Well,
1: that's low now. That's low. It is
2: very low. That's why I told my stars. there's a, down there in the, sh- the show where it's, they got this piece of property It's in, or- in Ormond Beach. It has his own hanger to it. The house itself has a hanger for their private jet. <laughs> Pool, five bedrooms, three baths. You know how much it sells for? 400000 I told Mr. Harris, I said, hey, okay, but the house itself more. in house is in the resort. 500000
1: And there's no airplane hangar in the neighborhood. I thought we needed to Although them. we do have pools now. I
2: know that's <laughs> right. We
3: should put that in the regs. Everyone listening, you're not allowed to have
1: an airplane hanger. Airplane hanger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the way that the city is getting more and more relaxed about letting people do whatever they want yeah, to I do. Mean, if you got
2: money, it gets relaxed. Oh, absolutely.
1: Relaxed.
2: And you know, back in the day, you know, money talked real loud. Yeah, well, and there's always a way to get around the system.
1: You see what I'm saying? Well, especially okay. So the '96 Olympics, when that was coming, I around. worked
2: down. Oh, were you downtown? Yes, I, mean, I was. I first went to work. The first time at the old Fulton County Stadium. Oh yeah, oh it was hot as hell. I'm yeah. telling
1: you, it was. For the softball games or the baseball that? games? Yeah. Oh, ba- okay, baseball. Yeah,
2: the old Fulton County Stadium.
1: Oh, that's right. They played the men's baseball Ma- there.
2: Yeah, they're at the stadium. That's right. It was right. hot as
0: hell. I'm telling you.
2: Mm-hmm. So I told him people, it was a temporary service that I went to work for. And, all, and I kind him, I said, look, I can't work that stadium. It's too hot for me. Yeah, well, I wanted to be in, like, a, one of the venues, you know, a uh, Royal Congress Center or, you yeah. know, the Omni, you know, somewhere like that. Indoors. Yeah. <laughs> they put me downtown. You know what I did? Crowd control. And <laughs> that hot-ass sun. And then when the bombing happened, that's when yeah. they, when that, you know, the bomb went off down there or whatever. Uh, That's when they started the security. You know, everybody back there wore them fanny packs. So that's this right. was my job. You know, so for people getting off the trains. You know, you had them five venues there together. You know, I tell them where to go, whatever. But they had to go through a security checkpoint. So I tell them, go boy, get your little fanny pack off and take stuff out of your pocket or whatever. I enjoyed doing that. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, fanny packs were all the rage. In fact, I volunteered at the Olympics. I didn't get paid, and uh, but they That's gave like me a uniform. Money. They gave me a little uniform, and part of the uniform was a fanny pack. <laughs> I,
2: mean, yeah, I had a little fanny packs. Yeah. They had nice red shoes. They had their Lincoln symbol on them. They
1: had straw hats. Yeah. yeah we saw. Look, the little Gaucho I kept pants all, I kept all that crap.
2: I <laughs> kept mine up to a point that finally it was like, you know, I wish I still had it, of course. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it was nice women with Gaucho pants, That's little Tutti shirt.
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah the women wore, cool. uh, what they, they called? Kulaks. That's yeah, what
2: they're yeah, called. Yeah. And they were kind of, uh what khaki color? Yeah. You know, badge looking pair. Yeah. I enjoyed doing it. It was fun. Yeah, and we're I like. Tell you what? That Martyr was hell. You yeah. know, when in Martyr's room. So I'd start walking. He said, I done walked home from down there to where the Omni was at. That's a long walk. Yeah, it is. But I was a lot younger back then. I could do it.
1: Well, I would just bicycle. I could, I would take the bus or bicycle. I so didn't want to get up, up
2: working at there.
1: Uh, so there was a polyclinic. Uh, so I, I know computers pretty well and they had me taking photos of the female athletes which okay. was, which was kind of cool cuz yeah, i you got loved to, it, uh,
2: he? um yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: long he's before my, i ever knew nina yeah so, yeah he's, he's in in my man yeah but, a- okay. yeah i mean it was crazy cuz you know i didn't really make any friends a couple of them i did make friends mm-hmm. just friends And uh, right, we heard that line before, yeah, Yeah, right. We only held hands, um, okay, but uh, yeah, just getting to meet all these you know, you hear their names all walks
2: of life, absolutely, all over the world, exactly. It was cool as crap. I enjoyed doing that. Let me ask you a question. You might can help me out on this. The Summer Olympics was here in 1996. I worked on because Seth was uh, Seth was four years out, we lived over on. Uh, Ted bought the house next door to him. When Seth was born, I lived in Dorothy Tatum's house up there. Oh, okay. Because I used to call it, call it me Flowers mm-hmm. in the Attic. That's where mm-hmm. Seth was mm-hmm. born in that house mm-hmm. because you know what? That is the only house in this whole neighborhood. We used to eat dinner on Brynn, watch TV on TNL, and sleep on Powell. Mm-hmm. That's the way that house was set up. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, uh, I forgot what I was talking about. So anyway, but Tad bought the house next door to him. And he called it Seth's house. So this was, so, have mom and daddy there together you know which we you know whatever uh that's what no that's another story but anyway (laughs) um all right so that happened in 96 the mill fire happened in 1999 am i right you are right my miles was a year old i woke up that morning i lived in my mama's old house up on Tye street the 137 me and miles lived there Woke up in the morning and I, oh, I had worse toothache. So I took him on up to the babysitter. Well, I went to the dentist and got a wisdom tooth pulled. Well, they gave me some pain pills. So I thought, well, hey, let them sit babysitters all I'm going to go to bed. So I went up and I popped up and to took him a of pain pills and went to bed and the phone kept ringing. Finally, I answered my mama and I was half you know, asleep, half drugged out. Kim, I thought she said her store was on fire. She said, Kim, the store's on fire. I said, I'll be right down there and I'll open my front door. I never seen so many cars in this neighborhood in my life because they had rerouted traffic. Mm. I went down to the store, where she says, the me, and it was in March on no, that 5th, because we had March winds. Mm. And that's how some of them houses in you know, a couple of houses got burnt mm-hmm. down. Tad lived yeah. on Bryn Avenue. They had a trampoline in their backyard, burnt that trampoline up. Mm. Sparks and ashes from that fire. It's like he didn't get his house. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The fireman, I was telling everybody over the loudspeaker too. Hose your keep the hoses of sweat and stuff like that. That's the biggest fire. Ever. I mean, I was so awed by that fire and then that man up on that scaffold. All right, that that fireman's name was Mark Mosley, right? I've heard the name before, but I I never
1: remember his name was Mark Mosley.
2: When that man was up on that scaffold, I mean I see pictures of it now, and it's like, damn, you know, he's on that scaffold, and he's in the little, and you know, got that the rail, you know, the the wall. And he's in that little building, you know, operating. Yeah. And he got up there and he couldn't get down. Mm-hmm. They said when they got him down, said the soles of his shoes was already starting to melt. Ma- Can yeah. you imagine how scared he had to be? He's yeah,
1: the freakiest thing. He got this ma- fire all below and yeah, around. Yeah, all you. around
2: you, and the wind blowing like it would crazy, be like and he's on a scaffold yeah. in the midst of all that. Well, you know, all hospitals offered that the firefighters use their helicopters. To try to get him up. But like I said, that day was real, real windy, real, real bad. And even like I think National Guards from over on uh was on World News tonight. Uh they come over and was trying to offer his assistance getting that man down and it, I tell you what, I never seen a fire. I mean I was awed by it. I've never seen a yeah. fire that big, yeah. you know.
1: Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Burned up all of h building. I
2: know. Mm-hmm. And then you know, he rescued him and dropped them they dropped him off in the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well then we had the summer the summer games here in nineteen ninety nine. Is that right? The
1: the Summer Olympics?
2: Yeah, in nineteen ninety nine. Ninety six. Or ninety six. Well what happened? See, because I remember this, I really do. And I have abused my mind over the years, but
1: <laughs> haven't we all?
2: I'm bipolar. Uh, but I'm okay with that too. I've accepted it. Um, I remember me, my mama, Leon Little, and Seth, my oldest boy. When they when the torch came to like got to Atlanta, we had the limpets in ninety six, I could have swore. I know that Muhammad Aliza wouldn't lit the torch downtown. Yeah, he did. That's right. But I remember that torch coming. I don't know if it came from Memorial. I think it came out Boulevard here. Me, Mama Leon Little, my little boy Seth was standing down there where those patches used to be. And I want to believe, and I guess I got to be wrong, that they passed, it, they passed that torch off to that Mark Mosley. But the, the fire hadn't happened. It didn't happen in 99. And they did a the switch like right down here at the entrance of the mill. And then they came jogging up, and went up Memorial Drive, and took it on down to the stadium and lit it.
1: I'll have to find that out. What? Yeah, I know as
2: that. After the torch was passed through, before it got past to uh, Muhammad Ali.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, was, I mean, he he just stood there at that time. Muhammad Ali he was, was all, already yeah, he was suffering.
2: All, he was already suffering brain damage from all of the punches to his head. Yeah. You know? So he, he had Parkinson, didn't he?
1: I believe it was, mm-hmm. and he just stood there and lit it. Mm-hmm. But the torch itself, like I, I can't remember who ran it into the stadium. That's what
2: I'm talking about. I wanted to think it was that firefighter that rescued that man. He did do something. I'm going to investigate because it it's driving me crazy. I hate not, I hate knowing I know something but can't figure it out. You know? Right. It's in one of them broke cells that I got yeah, in that right. library up there that's got a burnout. Mm. <laughs> and I want to find that information I just can't grasp it. But,
1: uh, well, that's the nice thing about finding a partner.
2: They help
1: out, fill in that gap. Oh <laughs> she God. does.
2: will like finish so it. Oh, oh,
1: man! Right now, there's so much that's leaking without. and not you sticking. Live and... Other, could you? No way. It's so sweet. Y'all yeah.
2: act like y'all really in love. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I slapped this out oh of hand. Okay, my butt. That's how no, you want a beer from the fridge, this. That's how you want a beer from the fridge. Right? It. to get it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Remember, <laughs> you know, we're all right.
1: Yeah, we're all right. <laughs> no, 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 I do. No, I love this
2: place. I do. I love this building. I wish I could afford to live here. I really do. I love Len Deer's Rock and Thompson in H Building. Yeah. they had that corner unit. went. The view was... Carol Street, know? Yes. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to live there. Mm-hmm. You hear me? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
3: Did you have a favorite street other than your own street that you lived on?
2: Probably Carol Street because we used to have at Bill's Grill down there. Mm-hmm. They used to call him Booger Bill And They'd say he <laughs> would like, and he did look nasty. He had a blue type boy in his little place. And Bill's Grill, and they said he made best hamburgers, but they said, you know, you just look nasty. You know, they called him Booger so You put boogers on your burgers or whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, oh, so that's where Panorama Ray got the boogers on your burger. Booger. Yeah, Booger
2: yeah. Bells, yeah. Bill's Grill. So where was that? I don't All right, know. Bill's Grill was, okay, let me see what's there now. i have to think about this. Bill's Grill, okay, you know where Leon Little's mama lived? Okay, and then there was another building there, and then the next it was almost on the corner right there at Pickett's Alley and uh Carroll Street. I'm thinking that's like right
1: there, like we crossed over where Sally the ice there. cream place eventually was. Where what? Okay, so you have Carroll Street Cafe yeah, on the, the corner, bakery, which was the bakery, right? And uh, cross
2: over Pickett's, and said, I think that was Bills Grill, that next building.
3: Oh, so John Durga's, yeah, well, John Durga's house. The one and, with on the art. Yeah. And
1: yeah. they sold ice cream out of there at one point. It was yeah. like an ice and cream. And look,
3: John Dugan won that house, you know that. Yeah.
1: That's
2: yeah. yes. awesome, ain't it? Yeah. yeah. I really like him. A lot of people don't like him. I like him. No, uh, he's a good friend. He's of a good
1: house. guy. because
3: He's, he's very intelligent. His place. Yes, he is. He I is mean some sometimes amazing. I get
2: kind of timid talking to him, but then after I got to know him, he knows I don't speak English well. Look, if you can't understand what I'm saying, I'll write you a note. I can write. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can you, know, you believe that? You can, can read my... that
2: I and I can read. Yes, I can. Well,
1: I found out a long time ago that it would be in my best interest to surround myself by intelligent people. Right. <laughs> because uh, they could help me do things that I couldn't do on my they own. get
2: information you needed to, <laughs> yeah. to, to go forward, whatever. And, this friend of mine who used to tell my time, he said, you know what, Kim? He said, I'm the smartest person I know. I said, you must <sighs> hang some really dumb people. <laughs> But I'm the sports person. I know. I said you ain't around a bunch of dumbass people, excluding myself. No. You know, but he was so funny. But yeah, I guess Herald Street would have been. And then, I loved the patch. mean the patch was down there on Boulevard, that's where they used to make. Their well, t- it
1: was in. It was in. Uh, Agave. Well, what is now Agave?
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. I didn't go there that much then. Uh, that's when Esther got the building, and they started yeah. making tiles. Mm-hmm. Look, they moved out of that building. They throw, and I, you know, dumbass me, the light bulb didn't go off that day. I guess I didn't get enough sleep. I don't know what it was. Put out boxes of them tiles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could so be telling bad boys right now for $10 per year. Well, me.
1: you know, again, kind of like when I went into that safe and here are all these documents that date back 100 years. How
2: did years. you get all that equi- old stuff from the mail?
1: Which which stuff? Oh, well, like
3: you, in the museum? How yeah. Did they get that? How did y'all get that? Oh, oh over. gosh. Some people donated. Yeah, yeah I knew um, that. Some people, um, like George Tech would put stuff on loan, the Brayman Museum.
1: We borrowed things temporarily from
3: let us go.
2: So part Leon gave out a bike. I thought that's a good thing. No time. Leon,
1: yeah.
3: Leon has given us a lot of things, yeah. pictures, the bike, um Panorama Rays, uh Son. Sons friend. Um Uh, Sean um, McElroy Michael sorry Sean just butchered your name if you're listening Um,
2: (laughs) you know who you are yeah yeah (laughs) you know who you are
3: you know know, he has his own uh, museum if you will of Panorama Ray stuff and we became good friends um, because I think John had introduced us to it, it was just it's just a lot of talking and networking with people really and Putting um, great
2: minds together and came up with a museum. Yeah, right? Yeah, you
3: know, and, and some of these people, some of these people don't really know what to do with this stuff because, you know, it either sits in their house or there's just no place for and it. You put it in the it attic or whatever. It don't
2: really have meaning yeah. to it until you get an establishment yeah. to show it off. Exactly. And I mean, like you know, the uh, the dresses made out of them burlap baits. I would love to have one of them. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, now, I know. Now, now you wear it downtown to the sack. You hear Yeah, me? yeah. I, mean, I own
2: the world. Yeah. I would. I would
3: wear that to the damn Hilton. I mean, it's priceless. You know? It's priceless.
1: We, we just found, or Nina oh, found. Oh,
3: this is
1: amazing. This is- so, you know, in World War II, the mill here started producing things for the war for effort.
2: For the war people, yes, exactly.
1: And, you know, at that time, they're just making stuff, tents,
2: whatever. And it, it didn't mean it nothing. It didn't mean it, it nothing. Exactly. No, you have one now.
1: We don't have it, and we ain't ever gonna get this one because this guy's selling it for fifteen hundred dollars. What is it? A tent. A tent,
2: and it's wow, yeah, it's just and it has huge a little label shape. and a cup foot and back on yeah. you know? it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in great shape, and it's because the soldier who used it. The people it,
2: that made them didn't even think nothing about that. No, they never thought. Forty well, years down the road, that's gonna be worth some money.
1: Well, do you think? And you know, sorry to bring him up, but do you think my great great grandfather would have ever expected? this mill to be turned into this luxury condo complex with a swimming a trillion pool. A dollar
2: estate.
1: Yeah, uh, unbelievable. I mean, at that time, this is a working class neighborhood. Very this former is a, this working class This was a factory. It and,
2: offered jobs to people that needed them, but they worked the crap out of it. Yeah. You hear me?
1: I know, I they know. They did. And, but 150 years later, it's a very different place. It
2: is, and the man that had the vision for this because you know it vacant for a long time.
1: Adderholds. Yeah.
2: yeah, you know, for him to have that vision to turn this into loss, you know, I've never had to work in a day of life. Hear me, you know that. I was looking come up with something like that seven dollar bumper sticker. You hear me.
1: <laughs> well, you know what I wanted to do, and this was before I—I I didn't know the Adderholds were looking at the property and were going to do this, but back in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, especially in the early 90s, I started getting into filmmaking. Okay. So I... I even though I have that uh, background in Russian language where I was going to save Look, the world... It's totally useless. It's useless. <laughs> the world is just going to do what it's going to do. Let me teach
2: you some street smarts from the old captain. I, I mean, know. Those are secrets. They're worth a lot.
1: Very much, much more useful
2: then, <laughs> than um, a, a degree run, in Russian degree in language. Russian language, yes.
1: But um, I... I actually was an actor, professional actor, and then I got into filmmaking, and I wanted to come back here and take this mill and turn it into a big studio. I wanted like a to… Like Tyler Perry. Yeah, kind of like Tyler Perry.
2: Exactly.
1: And But again, it's one of these things, so I'm resources, young…
2: Resources. Yeah, I
1: didn't know how to do it, so See,
2: I never did It's me, it. I mean, like I can think of something that's like, well, like I told the guy, friend at Archibald's office, I said, I'm not asking for a handout. Right. I said I need guidance. I don't know where how to start, and starting over is hard. Yeah. I don't know. Put me on the first step and guide me. Mm -hmm. I'll do it myself. I'll do my own footwork. I'm not asking for a handout. Right. You know, because I'm a survivor. You hear me? Yeah. I'm a survivor.
1: Well, and and I think that that is one of those things that has. That's a quality
2: that you grew up in cabinet. Absolutely. And everybody don't have that skill. No. They don't have that
0: skill. I'm a survivor. Yeah. My memory the corner and trolley car rides playing hooky in the graveyard climbing gnarly old trees these are the memories I'll be taking with me these are the memories I'll be taken with me